This is how it's going to start. Also known as live to tap, also known as scraping the back of Daddy's big red truck against a huge stump. This is Stump Scrapers, RS 275904231 QXJRZ10 here on your XM dial. My name is Bill Pifro. I'm a Cadillac connoisseur, and this is as good as it gets. Is it really though? Okay. Is it? Anyway, just deal with it. Be here. Okay, everybody, it's me. It's me for real. Hi. I'll make this fast and super quick as I can because I want to do it. If you want to see shows, I'm going to be at the Dynasty Typewriter on January 9th, 8 p.m. It's my solo show called Minnesota Reggae Colostomy Bag. Then I'll be in San Francisco on the 15th and 16th for, as part of Sketchfest. Come see me at the Punchline and other places. Then in later January, I'll be at the Elysium Theater in Los Angeles doing Minnesota Reggae Colossomy Bag again Friday night and Saturday night. Those are the dates I have right now. Also check me out on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Johnny Pemberton. That's twitch.tv slash Johnny Pemberton. I'm there every week at least. Also, please be sure to uh, check out the shop if you want to get stuff. It's obviously a little late to get it for Christmas unless you want to get special uh, pricey rush order delivery. But you can get stuff all kinds of sweatshirts, T-shirts, and goodies, and uh, what do you call them? Um, goods that are made of cloth. Is that what they say? You can get cloth. You can get cloth goods if you check out my Twitter or Instagram. The link tree has the link to the shop. You can also just click on View Shop on Extra Grab. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Today on the podcast, we have an exceptional guest. Oh my gosh! Super excited about this. Uh, we had a long chat. It's going to be the first chat we have because I can't wait to talk to them again in spring. The reason for that is because these are master gardeners, Jason and Lindsay Fox. They are. They have a. Um, they both have Instagram accounts. You have to check them out. Oh, there'll be links to that in the show page. But you have to find them. They are master growers, self-taught master growers who are doing stuff in Austin, Texas on a small farm that I think that rivals anything that anyone is growing anywhere. It's absolutely exceptional. I'm infinitely fascinated with what they're doing. They're growing 
strange varieties of bananas and, and fruits that you never knew existed. And they built this greenhouse. They have all this crazy stuff. It's incredibly interesting. And we talk about it here now on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, being here for this. And please patronize them and check out their stuff because uh, as much as talking is great about it, to see the photos, you just, you can lose it. Jason and Lindsay. Um, it's part of the experience. Oh, okay. <laughs> People love this stuff. Now. People love when you're studio chatter. I actually do love yeah. studio chatter, but I'm, I'm a studio chatter nerd. Yeah, I, I, I totally chatter. get that. I mean, th- this is actually a recording studio that we Is it really? Too. Yeah, I have a recording studio here. So, yeah, I, I love the studio and chatter love too. everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so how did you, how did y'all get into gardening in the first place? Well, in the first place, we, we moved to Austin in about 2003. And then by mm-hmm. 2004, um, we, part of it was just that we were trying to save money and still eat well. So, um, yeah. looking at the price of getting something like organic strawberries, organic mm-hmm. produce and fruit. Um, I think it was, you know, when you look at spending eight or $9 a box for organic strawberries at the Austin fancy whole foods, then you yeah. see that you can buy a bunch of strawberry crowns for basically the same amount. We end yeah. up getting, you know, about a dozen strawberry plants that we started with some good organic soil, um, just went through and really amended the soil and made it everything it could be. And the taste was so much better that from there it started to be, well, what else can we grow? So we looked at this whole driveway that we had in our house (laughs) that was still in town in Austin. And we basically had a whole container garden where before we knew it, we had avocados and mangoes and Jason was learning all this different stuff about, um, all the different stuff that, um, would be something that you could grow if you put it in the right soil, the right conditions. And yeah, it was really cool. So, Um, we started doing that and had everything from peach trees, you know, mangoes, carrots, kind of really large above ground beds that were sometimes Mm -hmm. a few hundred gallons of, um, organic soil that we just covered this part of our driveway. And basically our whole, our whole front yard ended up just being filled with, um, fruit trees and containers and things like that. Yeah. How did you wait? So where did y'all move from? Somewhere Um, in Texas or? I grew up in Houston. Okay. Well, so uh, kind of Austin, Austin though, Austin was like where where we were, like uh, downtown Austin, and then we mm-hmm. moved. We just moved south, basically, a little mm-hmm. bit south, yeah, which is still Austin, ago. but but you know down south where there's more land mm-hmm. and it's not in the city. Mm-hmm. So neither of you have like a horticultural background at all. No, no. Wow. Uh, just really, it's just self taught and just learning stuff as as we went and <laughs> kind of I don't know picking up stuff and just kind of getting a passion for it because. I, I liked what I was eating. Yeah. <laughs> that was really all wow, was. that's so cool. That's such an interesting thing because, I mean, most people who are growing at your level, which we'll get into this, but you guys have this uh, a pretty big greenhouse from what I can tell, growing yeah. a number of different exotic trees and shrubs with like bananas and Suriname cherries and all kinds of crazy stuff that most people have never even seen before, let alone actually taste it or most people don't even know, know even the name of these things you're growing but you've all started that just from a container garden in your driveway yeah. is so yeah. funny like yeah, that really and speaks to like what you can how far you can take something yeah and a part of it too was just like trading with with other friends and speaking with other people who were just in different parts of the world too just you know what what do you like to eat what's good mm-hmm. like what what actually 
what do you like to strip the tree completely bare of when it fruits? Like what, <laughs> what's really, really good. And then like, there's always an answer that someone will have. And uh, over time, you know, they'll be like, well, what's, what's good that you have. And you'll have stuff that to them is exotic. So yeah. you can kind of just be like, Hey, here, I'll gift you this and you can gift me something in return. And we'll both wind up with some sort of mutually beneficial, like, thing going on where like mm -hmm. I can I can expand what I have and you can expand what you have mm -hmm. and we so, both have we both have more flavors at the end of the day more flavors that's the yeah. goal <laughs> yeah when you were getting started here with this driveway garden so you said they have all these containers were you building all of the containers or how how did it work exactly I mean a lot of them were just sort of either fabric pots or recycled pots that we would get from nurseries and things like that. Yeah, um, anytime people would toss stuff in our neighborhood if they if they had like old plastic pots and they were getting rid of mm -hmm. them. We I just did a lot of stuff on the cheap early on. That was really yeah. what it was. And then I would spend the money that I would save on good soil and you know water filters so that like the water was clean, stuff like that. Cuz that Can you get into too. that? Because that's something yeah. I think a lot of people overlook, including myself. I, I've only recently started, um, when I put water in the compost, I, I pour it into a big five-gallon bucket and try to aerate it as much as possible and leave it there for, about, uh, for at least 24 hours to try to off-gas the chlorine. Yeah, and but, that, that does help. I mean, that's definitely one way. That'll, that'll take care of like, uh, a lot of the gas-based things that can, that can gas off. But, you know, I mean, a lot of municipal tap water is just not great it's bad yeah. and and if you test it tests will verify that i mean they'll verify there's heavy metals there's all sorts of stuff mm -hmm. depending upon where you live i mean there can be stuff like uranium in it <laughs> so I'll, that's I good mean, though. the plants love that yeah i mean it's good <laughs> it's good if you want like three-eyed simpson style fish yeah. popping around in rivers and stuff uh, outside of that though you want that filtered out so like i that's what i that's what i tried to pay attention to with the food that, that was part of what I think made some of the stuff that I started growing early taste better, which was why I was like, okay, I want to experiment and see if I actually apply these same, you know, quality controls to all these other things that people are a lot of times growing in really poor conditions. Like what, what is yeah. it, what is it like if I actually give it a little bit more care? What is it like if I clean the water to drinking standards, like something yeah. I would want to drink? And then, like, if that's the quality that the plant's living off of, then the fruit is definitely better, I can tell you. Because I've tested the two next to each other, and there's no comparison. So uh, how, do you, how do you filter that much water, and how do you uh, store it and deliver it to the plants then? Because that's, that's a pretty – that's what stops me from doing something like that is I'm like, it's hard enough to water the plants as it is, let alone trying to filter this water. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go about that, really. Um, you can, you can do it in ways that are really cheap. Like mm -hmm. you can just get like a basic, uh, catchment system. Like say, say you got a roof and your roof is not made out of materials that are toxic. Cause some people, they have like tile roofs that are like, you know, there's weird tar and stuff, right. but if you have like a metal roof or something that you can actually collect off of, you could just get that free water, gutter it to, uh, right. you know, trash cans, get some trash cans, uh, that are food grade trash cans and cap them off. You can do that, and then you can set them up basically on a gravity system where they can run through like a sand, basic sand and gravel filter. You'll have okay. clean water. That, I mean, that's, that's one way of doing it super cheap. The way I do it, though, um, for like our, because you, you've talked about our greenhouse is a little bigger. So doing it at scale, like for, for me, what I have is I have rain tanks. 
So like my entire greenhouse and my entire house are guttered and then they flow to two uh-huh. giant rain catchment tanks that are like okay. they're each one of them is 15,000 gallons. What so, the hell? Yeah, 15, they're huge. How big is that? That's like a big as like a couple closets or something or what? It's it's huge. It's giant. They're, it's like they're um, huge, yeah. They they're yeah, they're giant. It's like uh they probably take up like I don't know, the size of like a couple of like pickup trucks or something. They look like big silos. They're big. They're huge. They're like almost like, they look like almost like a grain silo, but for water. Mm -hmm. That's a big upgrade though. So you, how recent are those to the garden? That that was was like when we moved here, that was like first thing. Cause that was like part of the plan when we actually got land, when we were going to do it on a bigger scale and actually plant some stuff in the ground that we had grown big in containers. That was, that was one of the things that I budgeted for. Cause I was like, I, I have to, I have to account for the fact that if I'm catching my own water, that water's mm-hmm. free from that point on. That initial cost, that's just an investment. That's just, I'm going to get that money back on the back end and then some because I'm going to grow enough food off of that water too. And I can drink off that water too because it's it's right? really, really good water to drink. Man, yeah. I need, do you ever do like any kind of estate planning or investment planning or something? <laughs> I feel like no. you've got no. so much foresight here that I'm just... Uh, that's just amazing. Like there oh, was a there how was much a you lot, thought about this. There was a lot of foresight that went into it. Yeah. With any kind of yeah. with any kind of project that big, you always kind of have to. But the yeah. the rain tanks were something that was definitely like I budgeted that in from the jump because mm-hmm. the water the cost of it initially is like pennies in comparison to what you save. I mean, every time that it rains, we collect tens of thousands of gallons of water. Man, so that's it's, so cool. It, yeah, it's all free. Well, and the for- wow. like you mentioned the foresight of everything. I mean, by the time that we were in our 20s, it was in our early 20s that we were kind of getting started with the project. And yeah. mm-hmm. by the first season or so, we really knew this was something that we wanted to do at scale. So even though we knew that we'd have to be growing in containers for a while, we did kind of start looking for what's going to be that perfect land and place to let all this stuff grow. So we made mm-hmm. a couple of those big investments of a good water system where a whole house water filter was one of the first things we got even at our old house in the city. Um, and then made sure that all of the water that was going through our hoses, we did, you know, little things like got lead free hoses that were RV, you know, camper hoses in the beginning, um, just to increase the availability of good water to all those plants. But I mean, by the time that we moved out here, it was about 10 years ago since we've moved out to the actual farm. Yeah. And we okay. looked all over the place to figure out where we'd eventually be. And rain tanks was something that we put in within the first year um, as we were building the greenhouse. I think yeah. it was within the first year or year and a half, we put the rain tanks in to make sure yeah. we could support all of the plants. Totally. So where did you have a, a book or is there a source that you... Y- y'all learn most of this stuff because this is a lot of this is some pretty high end stuff. I feel like it's not we're we're going beyond gardening here, aren't we? At some point, yeah. I mean, I think I think that gardening is like when people think of gardening, a lot of times they think of like raised beds and you know, uh-huh. ki- kind of like I think what we were doing early on was gardening, and then mm-hmm. like now now it's like we we've, we've made a food forest and it's it's sort of more like a. It's actually like, uh, it's, I, I feel like I tried to model it more after what I imagine like the Amazon rainforest was planted out as when it was planted out. Because to me, I always kind of had this theory that like the Amazon rainforest is just this giant overgrown food forest that was right. planted like a long time ago when their civilization was really popping and like mm-hmm. going great. And somebody had the foresight to plant a bunch of stuff that was all 
you know, everything was thought out. That's why I think that, that because you, you go through and there's species that are planted where like this, this tree fixes the nitrogen for this tree and this tree mm -hmm. makes chocolate and this tree, you know, underneath this tree is the tree that we use to pull the berries off of to make coffee. You know, it's like the whole thing, yeah. there's a tiered system and it's all, it all seems so planned out that it ha to me, the theory was always in my mind of like, this was planted out like this. And if I could just yeah. make like a smaller version of that, I could eat, I could eat well. I wouldn't be worrying about other people supplying my food as much, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, which seems like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, that didn't seem like it was as big of a deal. But I think now maybe it does. You know, worrying about other people supplying your food doesn't seem like the best idea always. I feel like having that, that self-sufficiency is like maybe one of the things that takes it a little bit extra. Because it's like the whole system kind of sustains itself a little better. Mm -hmm. It requires less input from me, requires less time and maintenance, and it still gives more than what a conventional system would do, you know? You're talking about just the... The okay. relationships to the plants and everything, how they yeah. feed off each other. Yeah, definitely. How there's how there's like a bunch of different things that you know, because we all we all when we think about gardening, we think about like you know, there's companion planting, but then mm -hmm. like there's ecosystem planting, which is like okay. almost a step past that, where everything in the ecosystem. That's kind of what the greenhouse is. Like when you okay, were talking really? about the greenhouse, yeah, that's how I planted out the greenhouse. It's set up like a tropical and a subtropical ecosystem where like each yeah, one of them has trees. It doesn't look super planted. rigorous. It looks very no. natural. It doesn't feel like you're uh, like a farm. Cause when you think of a farm, it's like rows. It's all it's these very wild sections. Looking. Yeah. It it's very, very wild very, looking. Yeah. And there there's rows. There's, there's like walkways and there's rows okay. where you can walk but that are, that are planned out. But outside of that, it's literally just walkways in between as you've seen, super dense, yeah. planted, like, you know, dozens of different types of bananas, mango dozens. trees. Yeah, tons of different types of exotic tropical fruit, um, a bunch of medicinal crops. Mm -hmm. um, and then under that, you know, there's stuff like, you know, there's turmeric, there's arrowroot, there's things that grow like in the, in the understory that are just like, right. they chill in the shade and they do really well. And they just, they basically all feed off of each other and there's less of a need for outside inputs. There's less of a need for me to constantly be, you know, worrying about, oh, it has to be in these straight rows or it has to be set right. up in a way where a tractor can go over and get it. <laughs> you just pick what's there at whatever season it is, you know? So where did you all learn? Where did you start learning? Where was your first place to, to learn about any of this stuff? And I think there were different parts of what we learned in the in the very beginning. It was just about researching the systems and how to grow food clean. Um, what it meant to be organic food versus conventional was, I mean, in the early 2000s, it was not something that I mean, I know organic was known, but it wasn't mm -hmm. something that I was personally familiar with growing up. So that was sort of the first thing that I really started researching was okay, well, what is organic food? What is the difference? And the more that I dug into that, just either reading things that were, um, you know, basic books like Organic Inc. or just reading um, specific articles that I would find, it seemed like the, the rules for organic farming and conventional farming, it seemed like a no-brainer to know, well, okay, mm -hmm. this seems like the way that 
even though it's being called organic now, it's actually just <clears throat> the way that people used to farm. I mean, just right. putting things back into the soil, maintaining the you know microorganisms in the soil, making sure that they grew. So it started with trying to dive into more research about that. Jason learned a ton about mycology and sort of how everything in the soil web fits together. And I mean, it's stuff that we, you know, you hear growing up, you learn about the food web and the soil web. Mm -hmm. And then when you really see it in practice and realize there's so much that goes into this of, uh, you know, or we got an earthworm bin, we started composting. And from there, it sort of dug into um, when we would go, um, you know, we learned about tropical fruit from going mm -hmm. um, on a vacation where it was just a vacation to, you know, silly resort in the Bahamas. And then we went to the farmer's market and we see all this fruit that we've never seen before. And some of it was the best fruit we've ever had. And that's how we got into wow. sugar apples, for example. Where oh, those that's things one look of, crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. They're one of the main things that we grow now that we love, that Jason's cultivated a whole bunch of different varieties of them and spread seeds of them all over the place. And we realized that there's all these fruits that people are eating in their localities that you don't really taste them or find them. They're sort of these hidden mm -hmm. treasures. So we started trying to learn more about those. Um, met a really great resource and friend um, with somebody who was uh, an old-time farmer in Puerto Rico that had all kinds of uh, tropical fruit, fruit resources. Oh, um, this great guy named Sadu that taught us a whole bunch of stuff just through email correspondence about yeah. different types of fruit. And he was instrumental in um, Jason building the collection of just, you know, hey, we want to try growing this. And he would give us tips. And we had a teeny, I think it was, what, a, was it a hundred and... 99 square foot was yeah. our original greenhouse. We yeah. had to build it one square foot smaller so that we didn't have to get a permit for it in our backyard in the city. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, <laughs> what a so, bunch of you know, bullshit. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it it is. yeah we still it had is. to go to the permit office like that four times to prove it. That would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Um, but that was one of those things where we had the little resources where we had, I mean, in the very beginning, we were learning stuff from Sidhu, finding different types of fruit trees that we could try and grow and um, we even had like ultrasonic foggers that you put into ponds that were set up in oh. buckets so that we could keep the humidity up for trying yeah. to grow cacao trees and things like that. And I'm sure our neighbors so cool. were just rolling their eyes at us, but, um, some, some, but Halloween all the time. <laughs> some of them thought it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> some, but then like, uh, you know, some of our neighbors were like fire artists and stuff. So I don't, yeah. think, I don't think it was. That <laughs> okay. So you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. One cool. side is totally cool with it. The other side is wondering what the heck we're doing. Yeah. But, um, we just started researching from real on the ground sources of, Hey, you eat this, you grow this. And, and really Instagram ended up being a great resource unexpectedly because, wow. um, you know, you use certain hashtags for exotic mm -hmm. fruit and you find people that may be across the world that are eating that fruit, finding that fruit. And Jason met rare fruit hunter type of people where we didn't have to actually oh. go into the forest. Um, mm -hmm. there'd be people that would do, you know, exotic fruit hunts and then can, you know, find ways to go through the actual customs process to get seeds the right way. And, um, yeah, and since, it's just incredible. Yeah. And I could just tell them what, uh, what I wanted and what species I wanted mm -hmm. and how to ID it. And, you know, there, I'd have friends where, you know, Oh, we're going to Borneo or we're doing this, you know, thing in this part of the world. And I'd say, Oh, we'll look out for this. That's endemic there because you might find wow. it. And sure enough that nine times out of 10, it was just, you know, that was just how it was. And you tell them to look for it and they'd find it because, mm -hmm. You know, they'd have it in their mind, I think, oh, this is what it is. And they described it to me. And, you know, this is this is what the leaf looks like or this is what the flower looks like. So, so most of the stuff, the stuff, the, most of this uh, research you've done is just kind of randomly on the Internet or through people you've met and talked to. 
Because yeah, I, I think there's a pr problem with gardening and, and plant stuff where you can read as much as you want, but there's no replacement for actually like seeing it and feeling it and like having someone tell you Ex something. Because there's a lot of stuff. Experience, yeah. Yeah, like I'll, I'll I'll tell people. People ask me for advice, and I'm always like. I don't think I have any advice, but I can tell you, if you're having a problem, I can tell you what you're probably doing wrong. I'm terrible at being sure. like, oh, this, there's no instructions. There's, oh, anybody like there's who's, troubleshooting. Yeah, anybody who's yeah. ever gardened has made so many mistakes that they probably can point you in, in the right direction of how to get away from them. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. That, I, only, I only recently started growing in season with half of the stuff I'm trying to grow. Yeah. I'm like, why isn't this growing? It's like, oh, it's because it doesn't want to grow now. It's like yeah. the worst time to grow it. Yeah, and I've, just de recently, I've definitely done yeah. that. Yeah, I've definitely it's done that. It's crazy how much do that something matters. totally cavalier and ignore mm -hmm. like all all things. And then also I've had I've had it work in some ways where I'm like, okay, maybe I can get a jump on a season if I can just set up some like indoor lights in a window right. and grow some stuff like at a totally different season to get like some of the veg out of the way and then bring it outside early. I've done that with strawberries before and like completely killed it certain years. Wow. But but then other years, you know, you'll try something, you know, it's the same it's the same concept. You'll try something and it's a total dice roll cuz it's all based upon weather and all yeah. the other stuff that's not in our control cuz we can plan out all sorts of stuff. You I'm sure you know that. You can plan out everything and and still have years yeah. where it's just the weather does not have anything <laughs> good in mind for you. So and, and it'll just rip up everything that you did. So, you know, I mean, that's definitely happened too. There's, there's years where you try something really cool and you think it's going to work. And then, you know, it's like a horrible flood or really bad winter. Yeah. And stuff like that happens. So. What about pests? How do you deal with pests? We have such a, such a big area to defend. Yeah. I think a lot of that is there, there's always going to be pests, but mm -hmm. what I, what I typically try and lean on is predators. So like I'll, I'll just study what the pest is and if it gets really bad and the predators don't show up on their own, which they usually do because right. I keep, uh, I keep healthy like butterfly gardens and stuff and right. pollinator gardens. And so that keeps a lot of the predators around and then right. they'll show up if there's pests. But if, if, not then what you do is you just id the pest you figure it out you get if you can't see it well get something where you can see it get a scope or something where you can look really closely at what you're actually looking at id it properly and then once you do just do a quick research source like check on the internet and you will find like there's a there's a predator that kills it for sure and you can order it what you about, can definitely you can always order right it. What about yeah. mam what about mammal pests like raccoons or uh, skunks or? Cause I have I just I have um, totally per periodic times where I have like a raccoon. Well, I'll wake up and see half my garden's been dug up because they're digging for grubs yeah. in the garden. Yeah, and I think it's because my soil's too organic. I have too much organic matter in the soil, so the grubs love it. Totally. Yeah, that uh, that is that is one of the things that you'll notice a lot of times when you make a really healthy space. It invites everything. It invites all yeah. the good stuff and the stuff that we think is bad, which is really just, it's always just playing a, a role usually. And sometimes it's, it's not even that bad. Like uh, we, had a, we had a problem earlier this year with um, aphids on some citrus. Ooh. And I was going to do, do something about it. I was, I was about to do like some knockdown sprays, which for me, like that's just basically organic soap and water is, is yeah. knockdown spray that usually will 
Things like aphids that are soft-bodied insects, that takes care of them usually pretty fast. It at least gets them off of the crop that you're trying to keep them off of. Right. I was going to do something about it, and then the day that I went out with a sprayer to actually do something about it, the specific type of wasps that I had released last oh. year that are a predator wasp, they're these tiny parasitic wasps oh, called cool. aphidious... Yeah, they're really cool. Called aphidious colmani. They are, they're like the size of like a pinhead and they come yeah. in and they inject their eggs into the aphids and kill wow. all the aphids. They mummify them overnight. So it was like the yeah. next day I came out and they were all mummies and, <laughs> and it was like, they were about to give birth to new wasps. So that's incredible. Yeah. I that's, saw, yeah, I've seen yeah, a, a, cool. a California native wasp munching on a, um, I think it was probably like a not a bagworm, but whatever the green, the green uh, caterpillars are. I think it's like some type of, oh, type of moth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it wasn't that. I don't think it was a hornworm. It was a much smaller one. Maybe it was a tomato. It was some sort of green caterpillar, but it was just eating it, like just devouring it alive. And I was yeah. Like, this is so great that these wasps are doing this. They never <laughs> bugged me at all. I had wasps at a huge nest, probably about the size of like a pancake, and right above, uh, right in the garage, right above the garden. And they would be everywhere, but they would never, they would never harass me, not once. These weren't even the native kind. These are the, these are the European paper wasps, yeah. which are more aggressive, but they never bothered me, like less than bees. Bees bother you more than these things. They were just so busy totally. hunting all the time that they never harassed me at all. It was crazy. Yeah, there, there's so many different types of wasps, too. You know, like there's, there's like, uh, there's a type of wasp around here that's specifically the only thing that makes... Uh, certain types of figs grow around here. Oh my God, I've heard about those. Yeah, they're really yeah, cool. Yeah, those are the pollinator uh, and wasps, Yeah, and they right? don't do, yeah, and they don't really yeah. do much else other than, other than like that and like a couple other biological functions. They're really cool looking. They're huge and they look scary, wow. but they don't yeah. ever attack people and they're super peaceful and cool. And they make That's figs, cool. so they're awesome. Well, and as far as, guys, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I, I was going to ask you about <laughs> figs, but that's <laughs> Oh no! As far as mammal pests, though, um, we do have raccoons. I mean, oh yeah, there's okay. raccoons. In the, I think out here there's raccoons, there's deer, there's all kinds of stuff that we've had to sort of fight off. Um, and when I say fight off, I just mean shoot it away keep, keep and try away and keep it away. But we kind of have the we're kind of lucky that we have the greenhouse because it's a four thousand mm -hmm. square foot greenhouse, so it's a pretty big wow. space that, that you can, can keep exclude stuff closed. From. Yeah. yeah, so that was. That was part of why we put the greenhouse up as soon as we moved out here was because we knew that there were going to be things that we didn't want to have to fight against like we did in the mm -hmm. city where there'd be raccoons that would come and take fruit, dig around, um, you know, they'd get into the worm yeah. bin, things like that. Oh, and, and I've definitely even seen, I've still seen raccoons crawling up a banana tree in the greenhouse because I, I didn't oh. close the door mm -hmm. early enough in the night. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And they're just, just hanging up. And the and like just looking at you like yeah I'm mm -hmm. I'm gonna try and eat your bananas if you don't shoo me away so yeah they're what always rats? around R rats the cats rats. take care of it we have some farm okay, cats that say. live outside yeah there's there's some farm cats and they they don't really do much but kill <laughs> things like that Man. so they go that's around the and key they, I need to get a cat but our yeah, dog they're cool would not get along with the cat mm. yeah that's the only problem I've ever had where I was like this is really bothering me is these rats would eat my eggplants they'd steal um they'd steal everything you'd even yeah, find like rats are terrible they'd find like a, a little piece of something kind of by where they were they were going because they couldn't fit it through the hole mm -hmm. and so i sealed the holes up i trapped a couple of them 
you know, I had I had a couple rat traps, and I did, you know, they they were killed, and I buried them under the garden. But I'm like, I can't trap these things because there's too many rats. You can't like eliminate them that way, mm-hmm. unless yeah. you have like cats, coming. which are constantly warding them off. Yeah, cats. Uh, cats are great. Um, the only other thing that I've seen that works really well for people that don't have cats is I've seen. I haven't used it personally, but I've seen people that will use like a a, a pheromone or something, and, oh, really? and they put it in this bucket that's set up as a trap, and it'll trap literally a whole bucket full of them. It's, yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's plague <laughs> stuff. It's no. Yeah, good. I don't want to so, deal with that. Yeah, no, you don't it's want a no bucket good. full of rats. It's no, not the. It's no. not the route. For I you. always wonder too. Like, what do you do afterwards? Like, you got this whole bucket <laughs> full of rats. What's? I mean, I what's think the I would Will they be will they be dead or they'd be alive in the bucket? I think they're alive. I think it's just a trap. Oh, see that's I can't handle that. If they were nah. dead, I could just bury them like with a bunch yeah. of other other <laughs> stuff and turn them into turn them into worm food, but I'm yeah. not going to I don't have to kill having to actively kill no, a mammal. That's a lot. It oh. just sucks. It's no, like that's, that's the kind of thing where it's like, "Oh, this is not I didn't sign up for this. I don't want this. I don't want the strawberries that bad to have to no, have to no, dispatch an animal by hand. And, <laughs> no, and it's weird how much of that actually does go into making the bulk amount of food that people get. Like most yeah. food, people don't even realize the what's attached to it, you know, like avocado farmer that has to run 30 acres in order to pull a profit off avocados. The amount of rodents they have to kill in the year is like oh in the tens of thousands in order to because make that a just, profitable business. They'll so it's like you, avocados. They'll yeah, take all it's of them. Gonna wreck mm-hmm. the entire orchard. So it's you know, mm-hmm. there's there's always a cost like that. There's always something that you're fighting for the food. Because it's it, they eat the same thing we do. So Yeah, it's, that's I good mean, stuff. Yeah. But mm-hmm. out you know, I mean it's it's cool too because it's like the amount of pest animals and stuff that I see, I think I probably see more things that are the, that are not. Like I see bald eagles every day. I see owls. What? Yeah, I see hawks. Bald eagles. Yeah, there's bald. There's a couple of bald eagle families that live in our backyard. And like yeah. the, in the wooded trees. areas. Yeah, because there's wow. a couple of trees that are like you know three or four hundred years old, a big wow. old oak tree, and mm-hmm. there's eagles that just they have nests in the top of them. Well, and one of the great things about living out here that we don't have from the city is we don't have people trying to pick stuff off of our fruit trees. Yeah. Um, That was one of the pests that we ran into in the city that we definitely don't have here is, you know, if you have an orange tree right by the street, we had people that would drive by and try and rip an orange off of the tree that's in a container and we'd find the container kind of tipped over and it's like a drive by fruit stealing. Yeah. Oh, because the tree was not... It wasn't growing on the ground. It was growing on the container. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they would just rip the fruit off as they were driving by and like (laughs) knock the tree into the street and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That did happen a couple of times. Yeah. Drive by fruitings is weird. (laughs) Yeah. Drive by fruiting. Yeah. Yeah. Opposite of a throw, a a rip. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a it's a you know bad bad problem to have in a neighborhood. Yeah, you know, people, people really just come do. by and just just rip a fruit tree down. Come on, they think they you could have just, just asked. It. I would have given. I would have definitely given you it. I'll do it, but I don't rip it down. I I just you know I'm like looking around. I'm like I'm gonna take about as many of these tangerines as I can carry. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's cool. I'd be fine with that. Just don't knock the tree into the road. That's well, cool. this is like a tree in the ground, so it's different. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's always people who have. The most fruit who don't, they don't, they'll, you'll see this fruit, the tree, it's filled with fruit. They're not picking it at all. So I'm like, I'm totally. going to take, 
There's there's a couple of trees in our old neighborhood where it was like this is a like a prize level mature sumo tangerine and you're not touching these fruit. Oh yeah. I would pick like it's going a whole to waste. Ba- baskets full of it and it's these fruit that are just so oh my god. <clears throat> just oh, crazy. Oh, sumo tangerines are great. I have a couple of those trees yeah. in our backyard. They're great. So is there something that you have that's like um, the, the first really exotic plant that you got that uh, is still going that, that kind of like sparked the whole interest in these exotic um, trees and shrubs? Yeah, there's, there's a kind of a slew of them because I planted a bunch of the exotic stuff it, like by seed around the same time. But I mean, the, one of the ones that sticks out the most is probably like purple sugar apples. Cause, cause okay. I took, I took some of those seeds and grew them out into mother trees and then used them for breeding projects to make like really, really excellent fruit. That's Is that a Sheremoya? It's, it's different. It's, it's related okay. They're Yeah. They're cousins. They're biological cousins. Um, it's like, it's a similar uh, look, right? It's about the size of like a softball and it kind of has like these scaly, like a scaly look, almost like a pangolin. Is that yeah, right? It it does. It does. It has kind of a it has kind of a scaly look like a like a pangolin or like what you would imagine like a dragon scale kind of thing going yeah. on. Yeah. And it's it's real interesting looking and then you break it open and on the inside it's like segmented creamy tropical fruit mixture like it's it's this flavor that's really hard to describe because it's kind of like it's kind of like if you mixed all tropical fruits together and made it into a smoothie and then like turn that into flan or something. I don't know. Is it like soursop kind of? It's similar, but it's sweeter. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. uh cause soursop is like, um, they're also related actually. Cherimoya, soursop and sugar apples are all related. They're all, they're all anons. They're all ananasia and, um, okay. they're all, they're all in the that, same family. So, isn't, so they're what else is in the, is there like a domestic or a more common plant that's in the Ananasia family? I think the most, I think like the most common one, depending upon what part of the world you live in, right, would probably be like if it's if it's the Caribbean, it's probably sugar apple. Okay. But you, but Is the most an- com, but the most common ones are are green. So the ones that that we grow are are purple, and they're they're sweeter and they're bigger than what people are used to. They're like usually about like, they can be like a couple pounds a piece. So they're Where do they come from? Comparatively. Originally, it's really hard to say um, because they're a fruit that makes a lot of seeds. So there's a lot okay. of, there's a lot of wild distribution. I would say probably originally Southeast Asia. I would, I would say probably somewhere like Borneo or Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. somewhere like that would probably be where they were from. If not that, somewhere in the Caribbean, or or right. um, or Central America, if if it was somewhere closer to home. But honestly, with that, I don't think that there's been enough like genomic study to to say for sure, like where it comes so from. So what what do you think? Why do you think those are so uncommon? They're not like something you can get in a store anywhere. Do they not ship well, or is it what is it about them? You think that's has hasn't made them. Uh, a, a prevalent plant, a pre- prevalent fruit for people to consume. 
I think I think with that specifically, I think one of the things that's uh, stood in its way is not it's not the flavor because it's one of the sweetest fruits in the world, highest bricks of anything in the world. It also is highest super, bricks. Yeah, uh, bricks is how you measure sugar content in a fruit. Sorry. Oh really? Sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean I didn't mean to like throw okay. out some like. No, it's interesting. Term. I didn't know that. Yeah. Bricks. Yeah. B R I X bricks. Um, oh. So what does yeah. that does that stand for something? It, it does. It, it basically, though, what, what it is, the gist of it is it's, uh, you can test what the sugar content of something is. So if something is really, really sweet, it'll have a higher bricks. And you can, okay. you can grow things in ways that actually raise the bricks of something. So, you know, it's, it's a way Damn. of basically determining fruit quality without going into like a bunch of the other things that you can talk about, which is like nutritional mm-hmm. quality and stuff. But um, so, I mean, they're really, they're really good for you. And they're really popular where they're grown. I think in America, they're not very well known because, I mean, it's pretty homogenized the way that a lot of the supermarkets here are. You can go to an Asian market and find sugar apples. You probably just won't find, you know, special cultivars. You won't find ones that are like the same way that you would with like a normal apple in, in like a regular supermarket. How they've, mm-hmm. how they've broken it down and said, okay, we know these cultivars make really good fruit. Like this gala right. apple is going to be consistently good, or this is going to, this red delicious is going to be consistently something we can sell. They haven't gone through the trouble of taking like the wild species and br- there hasn't been a, a lot of breeding to make them into okay. something where it's like, okay, this is a good size for market. This is a good, you know, this will ship well with sugar apples too. Like the main, the main thing that I think that stands in the way is the fact that it, it's hard to ship something that its best quality is when it's soft on the tree. Cause it's, okay. it, it's, See, it's yeah, one that, of those things where you could right ship, there. you could ship it hard, but it's mm-hmm. the same way as it is with like people who grow their own bananas where like, if you've ripened a banana on a, on the plant it's different. and ha- it's different, it's very different. So it's like, it's the same concept. They ship bananas, super green. They would, ha- if they were going to ship sugar apple, they would ship it super green. They would pull it off the tree when it's still hard and then it would ripen inside. And that's not the same as ripening on the tree, even close, especially with why is that? I mean, it seems obvious, but you know, is there a technical reason for that? That makes it, that makes yeah. it, uh, makes something that's vine ripened so much better or when it uh, vine yeah, ripened I mean, on the, on the plant. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of reasons. The first thing is that the second that you pick fruit off of a tree or a vine, or whatever, in the case of a banana, a, a herb, giant herbaceous plant. <laughs> yeah. What, a, whatever it's so funny your. I think it's not. It's not a tree. It's just. A yeah, it makes berries and it's an herb, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. called a tree all the time. But yeah, no matter what it is, the second that you pick it, no matter what stage of development it's at, it's going to start deteriorating. Some fruits okay. are climate uh, climateric, and they will deteriorate and deteriorate a lot faster and some will ripen on your like if they're picked hard and so the ones that are climateric yeah yeah dependent upon climate for ripening you know so it's like it's it's interesting because a lot of the stuff that's sold are going to be things that they can pick them green you know a lot of the stuff you're going to see in stores are things where they can pick it super green and they can either ripen it with gases on a truck which is very Yeah, I've heard about that shit. That's crazy. It's weird, but they do it. Mm -hmm. Or they can 
they can just ripen it on the shelves. They can just take it to the shelf and then people will pick it and ripen it on their counter. Yeah. But, you know, with, with most fruit though, the truth is, is that the best quality is going to be ripened on the plant, ripened Absolutely. all the way on, on the mother plant. I mean, like when you, when you have something, especially if you have something where it's like you grew the tree from seed, it's not even a grafted tree and it still has the connection to the roots grown from the wow. seed. Like that's, that's different. That's always going to be different. Even than the, even mm. than the grafted version of the same cultivar, it's going to be different because it's the mother tree. Like that's, that's the whole yeah. thing. The second you cut it off of the tree though, it starts to deteriorate no matter what the fruit is, there's going to be some loss of nutrition and some loss of quality. So, I mean, that's, that's the long answer to that really. Have y'all got into grafting at all? Yeah, I do. I do a lot of grafting. Um, in the greenhouse, there's a ton of trees though, that are specifically that I grew from seed as mother trees. So I can right. use them as grafting material as like, my Got own it. thing that I, I can graft in the future and make more of um, for the stuff that's really spectacular. But like grafting, I spent a lot of time growing stuff not that way, actually. I do I do, do right. a lot of grafting whenever I find something truly special, but it's, it's interesting because a lot of the things that I've found that are like grafted specimens, like they don't compare to things that I grew from seed. And grew you all can the taste way. it. Yeah, they're they're different, and you can. That's so you, crazy. It's interesting too, because even like with mango growers, they'll take they'll take some time after um, finding a mother tree and then grafting them onto new stock. Like they'll usually take a couple of uh, generations where they're like testing to see if the grafted trees even work the same way as the mother and they don't have problems wow. or have some issues, you know, cause sometimes even though it's technically supposed to be a clone and grafted onto, you know, good rootstock and stuff, it still won't perform the same way as the mom. So that's kind of what they, they, they look for that and they see, okay, this one did actually perform. If we graft this, people will have reliable, like a reliable shot at getting what we had from the mom, you know, amazing. They don't always get that though. So why, why won't my uh, banana tree fruit again? Oh, it was fruited one time, and I cut down the old one that fruited from, like you're supposed to do. Right. And I've got a nice new, huge, even bigger stalk, and there's also a second stalk and a th even a little third stalk coming up. So how come this one... When does, when's it supposed to fruit normally? If it's... So... Like right now? I would, I would bet that it probably will fruit for you it okay. probably it's probably with bananas nine times out of ten if someone's saying oh it, it hasn't fruited for me yet or it it's not fruiting as quickly as the last time it's almost always food because bananas to me are like the they're like Ooh. the hog they're like the hog of the garden they'll eat everything. really okay yeah they eat everything like i've i've set up a bunch of banana patches in active compost piles like not even finished compost really? piles, where you're literally still throwing stuff into the compost pile because they eat so they so, like it they like so much food they like to be given Man. so much food in order to fruit but that being said yours yours will fruit it'll fruit it's probably just setting up to and it it might even have 
the uh, flower in the pseudo stem, just waiting to pop okay. out. It might, it might just be growing a little slower too because of winter. You know, because it's started. We're starting to get into the colder part of the year where it's like yeah, definitely getting colder here. Right? Yeah, that's. Is I mean, it bad I think, to grow those though? Like people keep telling me, like you shouldn't grow them because they're going to take up. They'll just take over. They, they grow will bananas? in time, right? Yeah. yeah no, like I mean, the they grow well. I mean, they grow like in in the sense that like they'll take over an area that you put them in. I like that. That's about what I mean. Them. Yeah, I, I like, like that, that about too. Them. But the area I have mine is not. It's not a huge space. It's between it's not, two yeah. citrus trees, and I'm almost like at some point I'm gonna have to cut these down. But I'm. Uh, how can can you eradicate a banana tree once it's established? Like, how do, is that possible, or is it gonna be like a real difficult thing? No, it's it's actually not hard at all. Uh, so so I okay. I would look at it as an Thank opportunity. Thank God. Okay. I, no, I would I would actually look at it as an, an opportunity. Because the mm -hmm. cool thing is that since uh, bananas clone themselves, like uh, as you were talking about, like it made another one of itself and it made like another one of itself. Like yeah. they make pups, um, which are basically just clones of themselves. So when you're they're breaking not rhizomes. It, yeah, they, they are. They're rhizomes. But people That's call a rhizome, them pups. Okay. Yeah, they call them pups or whatever. Pups. The, the root ball is the rhizome. Um, so what okay. you can do is you can just, with the ones that are smaller, you can just stump them. You truncate them to make it easier so they're, right. you know, it'll be easier to dig up. And then you can dig up and separate a bunch of them with the shovel. And you can just put a bunch right. of them in places where you do have room or, or if, if you're out of room, give some to your friends. They'll give you, they'll give you some of your racks once they get some. I'm straight out of room. I'm yeah, out of room. It's crazy. Room. I never thought I would say that, but I don't have any room to grow anything else anymore. I, I totally, I mean, unless get, I I totally like, get that. Like, yeah. um, in that case, I would say, I would say thin them out though. You can you can mm -hmm. thin them out and keep it to like you know one or two per patch if you if you want to get like aggressive with it and then just like toss them to your friends. I'm sure that if they have a space or gorilla garden it, you can always go and uh, find find a space in a city where you can just like throw some of them and like throw some good dirt and just let it be. That would be cool to grow yeah. grow some bananas because it's always I'm always in, amazed that I've actually I mean I've only taken taken one what do you call a uh, piece of one branch of fruit off the banana tree one time. But when yeah. I first saw it, I didn't even notice the, it was growing. I just happened to walk behind there and I saw the, the big, that big, you know, yeah, the right looking thing. Yeah. And I was like, Holy shit, it's fruiting. I can't, but it was just incredible. And the fact that no animals stole the bananas at all, there's no pest activity whatsoever, which evidently is very rare because yeah. they, they're so sweet. The, Animals just thieve them. Like I've heard of people putting big cages around them, like doing all the stuff to Definitely. keep them from getting stolen. Commer commercial growers will bag them and stuff. They'll put like huge burlap yeah. bags over them and stuff to keep creatures off of them. I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely seen creatures, possums and stuff upside down on them at night <laughs> looking funny. Oh, because they'll just go to town. Yeah, they'll That's definitely crazy. try and steal them if you let them get to them for sure. Yeah, it's, you're what lucky. About you're lucky that they didn't get, yeah, they're, Sapote, you know, it's weird because sapote actually just means soft fruit. So it's, it's okay, used for, really? yeah, it's used for a bunch of different things colloquially, but so it's, there's a lot of different sapotes. Is, like there's, there's mame sapote, which I, I really like that a lot. There's, there's, um, egg fruit, which is technically a sapote, which I like a lot too. Canistel. Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've only had one, at one time 
we were in a friend's backyard, and he just moved to this place in, in Long Beach. It was kind of like a cool climate, a little bit cool because it gets some coastal, coastal moisture. Yeah. And they had this old tree in there, and we were like, you know, we were having a good time. We were taking some drugs and having a good time in this backyard, daytime on a Sunday. And everyone was, we picked this one fruit, and we were all taking bites of it. Like, this is so good. And we're like, oh, this is a type of mango. And I'm like, this is not a mango. Yeah. And I took, took forever to find out. I posted photos of it and had some tell me it was a white sapote. And um, ever since then, I've been obsessed with trying to find a white sapote oh, to grow. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, so like, white sapote, I, I, yeah, we, we do grow those. I know some people who have some really good varieties I'll have to. I'll, I'll I'll send you a message later with with some of their info because okay. I, I do know some people where so you can you grow get, them. Yeah, I grow them, but I know some people who have better tree stock of it than me that you could get some from. So, I'll, so I, I can what, I can shoot you a message about that later though. What is but the yeah, white sapote? I love then, white if it's sapote. not if sapote just means soft, what is uh what is like the actual name of white sapote then? So white sapote, it's it's weird because like. Like what, what we were talking about, like there's a bunch of different things that are called sapote. Sapote mm -hmm. just means soft fruit. Like it means fruit that's ripe. It's, it's ripe when it's soft is essentially kind of what it translates right. to roughly. I and mean, it's so soft. It's like ice yeah. cream or something. It's like pudding. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. It, the, the outside of it looks like it's all gnarly and kind of gross. And you take a bite yeah. and you just, this is, in, this tastes like, it's like a banana mixed with like a peach, like, a, van, like vanilla like a pod too, and like some other really oh, crazy notes in it. It's really it's good, just unbelievably good. And the texture is very addicting too. Like it's it's oh. something you're not really quite ready for when you first try it. You're yeah. like, you, you're it kind of looks. It's like what you were saying. It kind of looks weird, and then you try it, and you're like, oh, this is might be a new favorite thing. It's like, really good. So it's good. a sleeper fruit for sure. It definitely is. But you've been growing those for a while. Um, like, I just—is there anything you can tell me about that fruit? Because I'm just so interested in it. Like, it's not like what does it come from? Like, what family is it? Is it like a? Is it considered related to anything common? So, that—that's what—that's what I was getting at with the the fact that it's interesting that it's called sapote because there's a lot of things that are called like there's black sapote, and technically yeah, like black sapote isn't related to white sapote. So it's weird because wow. there's a lot of stuff with the common names of fruits where it's just mm -hmm. super confusing. And then if you look at the Latin name, it tells you like, oh, this is actually related to this or whatever. But white sapote is, it's one of those things where like the, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, black sapote is like related to persimmons if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And there's like a Yuck. bunch of different versions of that where like it, it does have like a very persimony type of feel to it. And then like white sapote is actually related to citrus, which is weird. Like it's in the okay. citrus family, which like you wouldn't expect because it doesn't have a rind. It doesn't look mm -hmm. like any other kind of citrus. It's not like segmented in the same way. But there's no acid. Yeah, there's no zero acid. It's totally a sweet fruit, especially when you get yeah. it um, totally ripe. No astringency. So it's it's weird, but it's technically it's related to citrus. So yeah. that's I mean it's weird that you brought that one up because that's like a I've always been fascinated by the fact that it's called sapote, but like all the things that are called sapote are like pretty much different families, which is it's kind of the opposite of how we were talking about anons, like uh, mm -hmm. with 
with the Ananasia, where like a lot of them are thought of as different things, but people are always like, oh, is that like a Cherimoya? And it's like, yeah, it's its cousin. Yeah, it, it is related. Yeah, I've always thought it was interesting how much, how much breadfruit and jackfruit and durian look similar. Yeah, mm-hmm. but durian is, all the not, same durian is not in the same family. Durian, okay. but they all yeah. have that spiky, big, yeah. big spiky balls, basically. Yeah. So, so, and here's here's something interesting about jackfruit and breadfruit. They're actually mm-hmm. technically related to figs. They're wow. they're like in the same family as figs. So, like our more common thing that we would think of that's related to them. And you can kind of, if you think about it, the inside of a fig does kind of remind me in, in some ways of like a really colorful breadfruit you know mm-hmm. okay. like but just smaller and juicier and then like it's interesting because like yeah they're they're in the same family as figs durian is is in a totally different family altogether it does have that crazy spiky outer appearance yeah. that's like that hard shell that you have to use like a machete or something to get through and then the inside is just that like crazy creamy weird textured thing that's around that giant seed pod. Mm-hmm. And it's like with durian, it's interesting because durian, um, there was this, this writing that I read about durian one time that was really fascinating. That was talking about how durian evolved in the forest to be able to literally smash trees underneath it when it would drop its fruit. So it would like <laughs> smash, it would like smash competition. And that's why it's it like a lived. cannonball. Yeah, yeah, it would like throw <laughs> weapons basically from its tree to kill That's other hilarious. species below it in order to propagate itself to make it to where it's like, I don't want any competition where like the seed of my child is going to lay. Like that's like literally what being, it would do. Uh, yeah, have you heard of people being injured or I've heard of, I don't know if this is true, but someone claimed that they've been, someone got killed by falling jackfruit. So, okay, I don't know. Because I don't they're, know they're if, so big, right? I don't know if you could from jackfruit because jackfruit okay. gets so soft when it's ripe that I feel like okay. if it hit, it, even if it hit you and it was gigantic, it would just be like the ultimate like Gallagher, like watermelon <laughs> on the head thing. You know what I mean? Really? Like it wouldn't be, yeah, because they yeah. get so soft. It would be very uncomfortable and you'd have tons of latex on you from the stem. But outside of that, I don't think jackfruit would do that. Durian would, because durian, okay, durian. When, when, yeah, when it's durian drops, shit. yeah, when they drop fruit, it's a bomb. That shell is, if it hits you, you're gone. You're toast. You're gonna have a concussion at least, and you're probably gonna have some spikes like stuck in your head. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Have y'all have? What's the worst injury either of you've had uh, from the food forest? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. You ever had like a cut that got like infected from something because it (laughs) or like been burned? You've been burned by uh, latex. Okay, let's see. I I mean, okay, recently, recently there was actually I I was doing a bunch of chainsaw work and I I got hit with some poison oak. That was rough. Ooh, okay. That was that was rough, but that's not like serious, serious. That's just yeah, like yeah. A super uncomfortable for a couple of days. It feels like you're being tortured because your skin hurts right. in the spot where where it got hit. But um, nothing like an what about infection. latex burns. Latex burns you're, suck. But have you ever had I, been burned by like a bromelid or like latex plant, like banana banana sap? Yeah, 
Yeah, so I've been cut before by, uh, I grow purple pineapples in the food forest and they have spiky, they have spiky leaves. If you grow, what, is there anything you don't grow in there? Because I just, I can't believe it. That you grow um, all this. I mean, it's a four thousand foot greenhouse, any, so that's pretty, any of the pretty, stuff that requires chill hours. Yeah, I can't grow in in the greenhouse. Which is what's an example of that? Cherries, cherries, uh, peaches, okay. apple, regular apples, um, uh, right. things like figs, like stuff like that. Like I have to grow a lot of that stuff outside, and that that all, that all is grown out in like the open. But you field. still are growing it. What I guess what I mean yeah. is, is there anything that you're not growing? Is there something I'm, you don't have that you would like to have, or something you don't have that you just don't have because you don't not interested in? Like I don't ever grow tomatoes because I'm just not interested in growing them. Oh yeah. Is there stuff that you have that that maybe you don't have because you're not you're not interested in it, or you just haven't haven't started it yet i feel like we have less of the like traditional fruits and vegetables that are the seasonal crops like we we focused more on the long-term tree crops and things like that Mm -hmm. so we don't typically have as many of the um you know i would love to have more things like leafy greens spinach but then that gets into the mammal pests that we have the deer are going to come and eat that almost immediately um, so, I mean, we don't have a ton of that, you know, this year we did have some watermelon and some squash and some things like that were more traditional, but right. I think that's probably what's lacking, not even lacking, but just what we haven't focused on is the more traditional fruits and vegetables that you see in the grocery store. Yeah. The first year that I was setting up the greenhouse, I did one year where I did like a giant amount of, of heirloom tomatoes and they were really, okay. really good, but I, I, I kind of halfway got sick of them by the end of the season just <laughs> yeah. because there were so many of them. And I was l- honestly using them to fill space as I was starting to get trees planted because that whole process was long, you know, planting out yeah. all of the, bringing out all of the trees that we described yeah. to you that were in pots in the city. I brought them all out in U-Hauls. So it was just like wow. three or four different U-Hauls of just like fill it up, bring it out, fill it up, bring it out. And then that process of planting all of those in the ground was like a couple of years. It took a while. Damn. So you have there, pretty much every tropical plant. Is there something that you, is there any tropical tree or plant that you, a tropical tree or or uh, fruit that you don't have that you would like to have? Maybe rambutan. At, at some point in the future. A rambutan. Rambutan. Yeah, yeah rambutans are good. Um, I have a couple of small rambutan trees and pulisand so trees. So you do have them. I, I have them, but they're not fruit. They're not fruiting yet. Okay. They're not fruiting, they're not fruiting okay. yet. I, I just have little seedlings of them. I, I what about like, lychees? I like, do you have lychee? I like them a lot. Yeah, we have, we have, have a couple of lychee trees. We have um, longan trees, too. Have you ever had longan? Uh, they're, they're like I a lychee. Have, it's like a berry, more of a berry, right? They're, they're I mean, similar. Okay, them. so... They're really similar to a lychee, but imagine if they're they're more like grape sized mm-hmm. and more like clustered like grapes, but they have like yeah. brown paper skin that you peel off, and then the inside, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and then the <clears throat> the inside is like a grape. Mm-hmm. It looks like a. What grape. about ackee? Do you have ackee? I don't. Oh yeah, we don't. Okay. I don't. But wow. I have. I, stopped, I have a friend. I I have a friend actually that's sending me one next week because okay. of a trade. <laughs> I have a red Aki that's coming next week, but yeah, they're wow. they're cool. They're super cool. Have you had them before? Have you ever eaten them? I haven't actually. I just know there's a lot of Jamaican 
um, songs that talk about ackee and fish. It's like a, ackee and salt fish is a traditional Jamaican breakfast. Yes. I never had ackee, but I know that there's, I know that part of the ackee is extremely poisonous. Um, it, it's, but it's po- the fruit is poisonous if you pick it early or if you pick okay. it late. If you pick it, and if when you it's don't overripe, too, right? or if like you that. pick it when it's underripe, it's poisonous. And it is, yeah, it's a weird fruit in that sense because it's one where it's like it's dangerous. It's like it's like it's how crazy. people will eat, you know, puffer fish that you have to cut a certain yeah. way, otherwise it'll kill you. It's really similar to that, I think, in a lot of ways. I don't think that it's my favorite fruit, but I love mm-hmm. I love the novelty of it. I, and and it's good with certain dishes. I think it has a really good flavor for certain dishes, you know? So do you, what do you do with most of the stuff that you produce? Because obviously you can't eat all of this, all, everything you're um, making, right? I, I eat a lot of it. I, I wind up <laughs> eating a lot of it. Um, that was sort of the goal was to, to make it to where we would have sort of an edible paradise that was sort of like a place we could go and, and pick from and be inspired by and have around like our art studio and our, our recording mm-hmm. studio it's what makes me feel most most happy so i wanted to make a big space that was just like walking through a forest where everything was food you know? so you don't have a surplus that you you sell or give away yeah i give away so. stuff yeah there's and and you know a lot of times really it'll just be like i'll have something in season and i'll have too much of it and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk to a friend or something and I'll be like, oh, you know, I'll give you some of this as a gift and toss me something that you have in season. And then it becomes something where it's like, I, you know, I can kind of, I can fill in some of the holes, you know, if, if I don't yeah. have something or if something failed or didn't do as well here one year, then one of my, one of my friends that farms probably did well with it wherever they are. And we can usually trade whatever it is that, that we have. And we got a freeze dryer. It, that made a big that, difference. That oh, okay. too, yeah. Yeah, yeah freeze dryer was a big game changer. That's like quasi-recent. But yeah, that's, that's great too. Whenever there's too much and there's not enough people to like swap with, yeah, freeze mm-hmm. dryer all the way. Yeah. Does all those tropical fruits taste so good freeze-dried? They do. They're like Imagine candy. that, yeah. Yeah, Damn. I've I've even what? I've even like experimented a little bit with the freeze dryer with doing some stuff that like really kicks it up a notch to candy, you know, like where <gasps> you you'll pro you process the fruit in a certain way, maybe like mm-hmm. you puree it and then like you do it in dollops where it's like really is like a little like crunchy candy or like you make little what do you crunchy do that marshmallows. With? Oh God, I've done it with a few different things. Um, one of the ones that worked out really good was like. Oh, we've we've done some dragon fruit uh, ice cream bean candies that were really good. Mm -hmm. So, okay, ice cream bean. There's this one type of ice cream bean tree that I have, which is this nitrogen-fixing tree that's amazing. And it makes these pods that look like, they look like beans, but they're like white beans. And then on the inside, they look like cotton candy. That's the only way to describe it. They look like... You break it open and it looks like a bunch of cotton candy wrapped around seeds. And it's all fluff. Yeah. So I take all the fluff out and then I process that and I make them into like basically little like clouds. And then I will coat that in <laughs> some pink dragon fruit mist or something from the garden. And I'll like, you know, get some juice from a pink dragon fruit and I'll like mist it onto it and make them pink clouds. 
and there'll be like these this little sounds like a, like some pink candy cloud. Yeah, pink it candy is. clouds of of just like pure deliciousness that also are good for you. So, do you guys have like a sort of like a not a division of labor, but is there something where one of you does focuses more on this aspect of the farm, and one of you does more of this aspect? Because I know like. If I had my own devices, if I if I had someone else I was working with, I would probably be like, I'm just going to focus the comp, do composting. That's all because that's what I like the most is just yeah. watching stuff break down and heat up and that kind yeah, of stuff that. to me is I most like interesting. And I also like when seeds sprout, but otherwise I'm kind of like, you know, I love it, but that stuff is what I like the most. Do you have like a thing where one of you does more of one thing and one of you does more of the other thing? I think truly Jason does. A whole lot of it. Um, you know, okay. He's he's doing a huge portion of it now. But when we were starting to get things started, I loved helping getting the seeds planted and learning about mm -hmm. everything. I do a lot of the stuff about the native plants yeah. here. Um, so she's a, she's an expert on a lot of the uh, native wildflowers and like a, a lot of the pollinator wow. gardens and stuff. Like I know I know so, I know some stuff, and I've picked up more from from the stuff that she knows. But she knows a lot about that. And there's probably four or five acres of it's pretty much almost half of the, the farm is set up as like a preserve for all of that stuff. So it's like uh, all of the wild, really cool. the wild grasses, the wildflowers that like feed really specific pollinators and butterflies and stuff like that. Like that's that's one of the things where like I've done some of that stuff and I've done some of the mm -hmm. like, you know, cleaning up of the areas beforehand. But she did a lot of the research and knew most about that. She's she's kind of the expert on the wildflowers and native stuff. And like I I kind of specialized more with the farm stuff. I specialized more with like the fruit and the exotics yeah. and stuff. But she she always she always was helping me with all of that. I mean, uh, early on with the tropical fruit garden, there was like a, a whole period of time where she was she was helping. Um, the guy that she was telling you about Sadu in Puerto Rico, yeah. who has, who has like a big exotic tropical fruit farm in Puerto Rico, uh, Govarden gardens. She was helping him set up his, his website so that it actually was like set up nicely to where like he could sell nice. trees and stuff back in the day. So like she was really, she was instrumental in like me learning a lot of what I know early on anyway, too. So we really like, uh, as far as a lot of the labor, goes with the greenhouse. I, d I did a lot of that. Um, but I mean, that was just because I, I like to do a lot of stuff outside. Yeah. I like to throw around dirt and make a lot of compost and make soil from scratch and like get really, really dirty and cut things with chainsaws and all that. So I do a lot of that type of work here. Do you have like a, t what's like a typical day for y'all? Like, how does it work? Like, it, dusk I mean, till dawn, what's it like? Kind of depends. I mean, weekdays, I mean, I have a I have a 9 to 5, you know, well, 7.30 to 4, but, um, okay. you know, wake up, walk around outside. For me, I get to kind of walk around, enjoy what's going on outside, and then Jason's getting up early and um, going out into the greenhouse or going out um, and clearing areas. Recently, it's been a, a huge chainsaw project to clear some of our old-growth oak tree areas. Um, but basically okay. farm work starts pretty early on the weekdays. Um, I'll head in and do my work in, you know, in the main part of the house slash studio. 
um, hotter parts of the day, Jason's often coming in and playing music and, um, you know, doing a lot of indoor stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's just kind of, it depends on the season, depends on the day. Um, but it's work on the farm one way or the other. Yeah. I, I always, I always put some work in on, on the farm, no matter what it it usually is, is something where it's always, it's always some, there's always something to do, you know, with, with 10 acres to, to look after. So I usually get up pretty early and I'll go out, I'll tend to whatever needs to be tended to depending upon the time of year. That's it could be a million different things as I'm sure you do know. you have breakfast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll have, what I'll do have you like do a for big, breakfast. Usually for breakfast, I usually keep it pretty light. I usually do like a, like a fruit smoothie or something yeah, like that. Like fruit smoothie. Something, something like what kind of fruit though? Like um, a, like this morning, all, all the tropical was, stuff. Usually this morning it was pineapple, mango. Um, there was some coconut puree in it. Um, Damn peach blueberry blackberry and then i use um this company called rebel has a uh, this really good gold label macadamia nut milk that i use that's kind of reishi wow. and yeah, it has really like good. some uh like immunity boosting mushrooms that are in the so it's kind of like basically vanilla milk but instead of that i'm using a you know mushroom milk um with macadamia Damn. nut and then pineapple juice and um protein powder and flax seed. so just kind of a i just throw the kitchen sink at it and not all of it comes it. from stuff we grew but it's all organic mm-hmm. you know fresh fruit or frozen fruit yeah, yeah. So you, do, do you have coconut palms there uh oh, let's don't. see you know do we we did i i, I did have a, a couple of dwarfs but i th- i think i i think i might have actually like gifted them to somebody or something like that. I don't like think we have any that. right now. I don't think I do right are those, now. I, I those are like tough to grow, right? Mm-hmm. They're, because they they're, get so tall. Yeah, well, there's a couple types that I think I think that I could do or that you, mm-hmm. anybody could in their backyard that are dwarf. But even then, it's like, I feel like you would have to have a huge, you would either have to do a huge container or find like some really nice spot for it to be where it could like get, it would still get big, I feel like trunk wise like wide, right. it would still be huge. It would take up a lot of space that way. I just feel like it wouldn't get as tall. That's the main thing with the dwarf okay. coconuts. Mm-hmm. They, they, uh, fruit at like, you know, a height that where you don't have to climb them. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the main thing with like, I, I don't think I would mess with growing a tall coconut variety here. <laughs> I don't think we have the ceiling height and I don't, and I don't think I would want to climb one for a coconut. I think that sounds like yeah. too much trouble. It's so funny. I just, I'm just so amazed by all the different varieties you guys are able to do with this, with what you have there. It's just so interesting. I just, uh, I want to see it so bad. Do you guys have any kind of, do you make videos of any of of the, of the food forest or anything like that? Have you considered doing that? I've thought about doing some of it. Yeah, we, we've thought about it. Um, so there is, there's one video from a few years ago. Like it, it's not, mm-hmm. re, it's not recent or anything, but there, there's a video that, um, a friend of ours shot, uh, who his, his, uh, okay. What's his YouTube farm. It's under farm Trippin', trippin'. Okay. And, and it's, it's, uh, this guy, Tony that we know, and he came and he did like, I think it was like a two hour tour of the farm where he, we went around and did a bunch of stuff and showed a bunch of stuff. It was also during a year where it was like a record drought. Yeah. So the, the field oh. is not really, doesn't really look like what it looks like now. Um, it's way green now in comparison. And, uh, and 
I pretty much dry farm everything in the field. So it's kind of like, you know, I what's mean, that mean? Some, it means that I don't really use, I don't, I don't like use irrigation from outside sources. Okay. So like if, if there's years where it's really, really dry, like I'll use whatever I have in my rain catchment tanks to keep things mm-hmm. alive. But I don't like, I don't like aggressively, like, I don't use tap water at all. And I will like pretty much wow. dry farm it, which means that I just leave things to their own devices. And then that means that some of the wildflowers will dry up and die and will become like yeah. mulch and stuff. But that also, you know, on wet years, it's great. It, it's like all of the things are already set up where they can survive during the worst. So when, when it's good, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's just blankets of wildflowers for like acres underneath all the fruit trees. So it's really nice. Is there a, a place that you think that people, uh, is there a good resource you found for, a pe- let's say someone who's listening and wants to try to get into doing this type of uh, growing, like well, they're growing stuff that's really not native. Like to their pushing area. boundaries and stuff, and growing stuff that's yeah. a little bit outside of like maybe the USDA growing zone type of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, like, is there something that was instrumental okay. besides your friend who helped guide you? Is there something like a like a resource online that anyone can access? So you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of different ones, you know, really and truly like what you were saying earlier does ring true in the sense that like experience, I think is the number one mm-hmm. thing. Like, I think that, I think that experience is always going to be like your best teacher. I think you can, I think you can find good books. I think there's been a lot of, you know, cool books that, um, I, that I have that I could, I could pull right now and I could show you that are great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that being said, that being said, if you look up some some books on um, food forests, if you look up mm-hmm. some books on like permaculture, but I, I use that lightly because permaculture is like part of what it is. It's really more something where like permaculture is a set of ideas. And a lot of times people will get really invested in being rigorous to that set of ideas and like yeah. that doesn't always work with farming. So I, I would recommend even, even if you're pulling in some really cool ideas from other places, just don't be dogmatic with it because that's not going to ever work in the garden. That's okay. Ne- that's a great, that's actually great to say. Cause I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I, obviously I'm at a garden at a different level than what you're doing, but a lot of your people, garden's awesome, dude. I really like it. I mean, it ha- it's, it's had, it's had, it's, t- it's had, it's, uh, it's done well at times. Sometimes it's like, I think there's some quote from Leonard. I think, I think it's Leonard Nimoy, but maybe it's someone else. Uh, someone like, um, there's no perfect gardens, only perfect moments. Yeah. I, Cause I it's think like that's this good. thing where, yeah, you can't have a perfect garden, but there will be a moment where it's like, wow, this moment right now is just, really everything good. is yeah. just thriving. And then it's like next day, it's like, well, that was, that was cool. Yesterday was that cool. That was really nice like, while it lasted. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's why, I mean, there really is a lot of truth to the fact where it's like, when the fruit's ripe on the tree, go pick it, go, go get it okay. right, right then. Like yeah. when, when, like, don't wait. Cause like a squirrel's going to take that, you know, yeah, a, bir- some is a gonna bird, steal. a bird's going to take that if you mm-hmm. don't take that. And if you don't enjoy that moment, then something else is going to go and enjoy that moment. And definitely it's going to have a good time when it should have been probably yours. 
Before we close up, is there, um, well, first, where can people find you if they want to see all the stuff that we're talking about? Like on, oh, sure, Instagram, yeah. uh, on Instagram. Yeah, Foxatron, F O X X O T R O N, uh, is my Instagram. Instagram. And you can, yeah, you can go check that out. And uh, that's, that's where I post a lot of stuff. As far as like, you know, future stuff and videos of the, of the farm and stuff, I think that's coming. I think that's coming in the future. This, you should get uh, on TikTok, to be honest. You should start making TikTok <laughs> videos of the farm. People, I, people um, go nuts. They really would. I, I definitely, I definitely love believe it. you. I definitely believe you. Um, I, I think that the next phase of everything is going to be really interesting because I set all this up mostly as like a, a, a home base for like my recording studio and for all of mm-hmm. all of my other stuff for, for doing art and to just have a place where it really does feel like, you know, there's good, perfect moments like everywhere. You know, you can always like walk through the forest and feel something kind of inspiring and kind of like that gives you, that gives you like, you know, a breath of fresh air sort of. So like mm-hmm. that kind of thing, we're going to do, we're going to do more videos. We're going to do more cool stuff like that. And yeah, the Instagram though right now is the, is the main hub. It took it took a while for some of my friends to even convince me to get on social media at all. So that's pretty much it's so that's my main I, social media of, right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people I've known like you who have these it's like you have so much more interesting stuff to share than than people who are sharing ten times as much. It's like this weird there's a weird gap where where it's someone like I wanna see what you all are doing so much more, but there's not I wanna see this you're not showing me as much as I want to see, but there's people who I could care less about who are just like, look at this, look at this, look at this. Like, no one, it's dumb. It's boring. I, I have, appreciate it. You have a tree frog living in a banana tree. Yeah, I appreciate like, how, how that, that? A, a lot. And <laughs> uh, I, I, think that, I think that's inspiring and I, I, it makes me want to do more. So I, I want to show you more. I'm going to show you more for sure. Yeah, I would love What's to. What's up with that tree frog? That tree frog is yeah. just some random cool little dude I found the other day. He's yeah. he's just a wild guy. He's a wild guy. He but jumps that's not around. Like, that's not a Texas thing, is it? Yeah, that's, there are Texas not. tree frogs. There I mean, are, but just, wow. you don't see them very often. You don't see so. them super often. I think a lot of I think a lot of what we've built has made an uh, a really interesting micro climate and ecosystem mm-hmm. for a lot of stuff that probably would have struggled otherwise, but mm-hmm. it does really well here. And that, I mean, I think that's what the tree frog is. The tree frog is just like an example that there's tree frogs living in that greenhouse. So there must be something going right as far as the ecology, because yeah, I didn't put that tree frog there. That's not like from a pet store. That guy just is there. I can't believe it. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Really crazy. What is the, what's the thing that, uh, that right now you're the most excited about as far as like exotic what's the most exotic most like i can't believe we have this i can't believe we have it it's almost like you know there's been times when i was growing up where there was a um there was a pink and white lady slipper growing in this park that i used to take lessons at like a quarry hill park and they wouldn't tell anyone where it was they would just say it's there because they're so scared if someone knew about it they would pick it or destroy it or something that happened is there something you have where it's like this is something where it's almost like you have to whisper about it because it's so unique to your the fact that you have it is just crazy. Ooh, um, that's probably yeah. how I feel about the capel tree. 
Um, the Capel tree and then Miracle Fruit. I mean, Miracle Fruit's kind of a novelty at this point, but okay. it's just, it's one of those things that when we had it, you, you hear about now. it. And then when we actually grew it, it works exactly how they say it's going to work where, you know, what it coats your tongue. So it's a, it's a fruit that has a specific type of, what is it? Like an amino acid. Miraculous. It, ha- it has, it has uh, like a compound a, called Miraculin in it that <laughs> makes anything Miracle? that... Yeah, yeah it, it makes anything that's sour or acidic on your tongue turn extremely sweet after you eat this beer. Wow. That's very so, strange. So you can eat like a really bitter lemon and it tastes like super sweet lemonade. Yeah. Like, like, or, a le- or like a lemon candy or something. Like you can mm-hmm. eat things that are super disgusting and they taste deli- they taste like candy. It's weird. That's cool. It's a really I'm- weird effect. And I think that's one of those things where now, I think more people know about them now. And, you know, people would talk about having tasting parties with Miracle Fruit. Yeah. And it was one of those things where when we first got it and actually had it fruit and tasted it, it grew at the same time as some of our citrus trees grew. Mm-hmm. So that was something where it felt really surreal to be able to have it. Um, but Capel, I think, is... Yeah, Capel for me probably would be like top of my list. Or um, what is Capel? Capel is a fruit tree that is originally from Java, and it's wow. Yeah, that's yeah. So so yeah, it's really exotic. What's interesting about it is it has a strange effect on the human body when you eat the fruit. It makes it, first of all, it makes all of your bodily excretions smell like sweet violets. So your sweat. Sweet, what, wait, what's a, what's a sweet violets? I mean, like. Sweet, sweet like, violets are like, the, like, uh, like really fragrant, sweet smelling flowers. Like, uh, okay. They're those little purple flowers yeah. that grow on the carpet of some forest that smell just, that smell really good. They smell like okay. Um, So it makes your sweat, your breath, your pee, your poop. All smell like sweet violets, so so that's that's okay. the first thing, and, it, and the fruit tastes like a cinnamon spice mango, wow. and then there's one other weird interesting thing about it, which is that it's used as a natural contraceptive, so it's it makes it to where after you eat it, a woman is temporarily unable to get pregnant for I think it's like about 24 hours after eating the fruit. So is it was this used. True? It really yes, is this true? Yeah, it was used for years for that purpose by oh sultans God. in Java for their harem. And it's like a real, it's a real thing. It's all a real thing. Um, like so many things from, you know, the jungle that have weird properties like that, that was kept like a secret by those sultans My for a God. really long time. That is something that you can find now. You can find seeds mm-hmm. of it now. You can find se- seeds and trees. It's hard to grow but we we do have we do have it growing and it's something where like I definitely I would like it if more people grew it that would be cool if more people would seek out things like that because it's you know nature can be your medicine cabinet and your yeah. and your grocery store and all of that it like your grocery store can be a walk through the forest it's it's mm-hmm. interesting cuz like that's that's what capel reminds me of like that that's one of the ones though where it's like you know, I'll whisper about that one. Oh, I have that one. That's like, so cool. On, on the low that. because so this, it's tricky to find. And it's mm-hmm. definitely one of those ones that's like very, very exotic. Out, outside of that, though, it? it would be like something I bred probably would be something I'm super happy and proud about. 
like like one of the, the capel or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, does it does it make you feel strange? No, it's just a regular. It just tastes like a good tasty fruit. It's sort of just like if you were eating like a really good mango. It just tastes like a good mango or something yeah. like that that has like a little bit of like almost a cinnamon type of thing to it. I would imagine that probably some of the cinnamon flavors are probably where some of the compounds that make some of the weird yeah. things happen. I would I would guess that that's the flavor that your tongue catches that's actually the some of the medicinal stuff cuz cinnamon crazy. Is, is weird like that all the all the like you know volatile polyphenols and stuff that come off of that. I would I would assume that that's why it, it you know has that cinnamon vibe to it. Mhm. Mm but yeah, no, it doesn't make you feel weird. It just has those properties to it. When I like Capel so for the reason I like a lot of our um, native plants as well, because I love the, the history of food and the history of agriculture. That was one of the things I studied a lot was the historical side of it. So with, um, with something like Capel, you really get into that sort of fun, like there's a, there's a story that comes along with it. So you're not just growing the fruit, you're learning about it. You're learning about a culture at the same time. And that's mm -hmm. sort of what I focused on when I, when I would look at this stuff with the native plants around here was what did Texas look like before before now, you know, hundreds of years ago when people first got here um, and wrote their first person accounts of what they saw, there's a lot you can learn about, you know, sort of the people that would just walk around and make notes. There were a lot of botanists and historians mm -hmm. that were sort of making those handwritten first person accounts. And just from hearing their casual, you know, casual conversation or little drawings that they would put in their notes, you can see, oh, hey, well, that's not what it looks like here now. Um, you know, what kind of, what kind of things do we need to plant here to get it back to what it looked like? And same thing goes with a lot of fruits of antiquity. There's things that are losing their habitat in the, in the real world. So that's why our greenhouse becomes sort of a little microcosm of, uh, habitat for fruits and plants that maybe aren't being grown as much. I mean, even, even with the banana diversity that Jason's planted out, there's so many types of bananas that you don't see out in the grocery stores and in the wild and everything. And, and there's so many good types that are just totally ignored because there's a specific standard that people have yeah. made completely made up, totally just made like, you know, it has to be this shape and this size and it has to, you know, be this type yeah. of, I don't know, whatever. It's, it's, it's a really weird thing, especially when you consider how good some of the other banana varieties are. It's like, they're like incredible. the ones that you were the ones you were talking about growing in your backyard, like Namwas are so good. Most people have never had a Namwa banana and they're they're so delicious. Like they're complete yeah. depart they're a total departure from what you're used to. They taste but, like some of them aren't super sweet and they almost have like a, a strawberry taste. Like it's not totally. like a mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just incredible. I really appreciate you guys talking to me and I can't wait to talk to you again and actually see the see the forest at some point. Definitely, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a really Thank fun time. It Thanks was for fun to talk us. to you. And if you want to see oh, native yeah. plants, I'm at Backyard Paradise. There's not quite as many exotic things on there, but there's sort no, of her the, page is the other side of the, the coin. <laughs> it's a perfect blend. And then you'll be on TikTok at some point and you'll, go, you'll explode <laughs> <Probably> because <never. laughs> people will people will go, go nuts for it. I swear yeah. to God. I know I, I would. some little videos recently. So I'm, gonna, I'm exploring our options with some of the little video programs that I've been playing around with. Thanks for having us, though. This has been really fun. Talking. Thank you for being here, Jason Hillens Fox of Texas. Higher, higher, higher.